We've been having a blast here in this series. Uh, More Than, welcome to week four of the More Than series. And uh, uh, boy, it's been a challenge for a lot of us. We've heard some great stories. And the first three weeks, we focused on something different. We're going to kind of turn a page today, but I want to catch you up in case you haven't listened online or been present. First week, we talked about the things that money cannot do. I think oftentimes we put our trust in money and we, we, we put our whole heart in it and think, man, I, I'll elevate this because it's what makes the world go round, right? Uh, but we talked about things that money cannot do. And then the second week we came in and we talked about uh, stewardship, a, a silly word that just really means it's all God's and tried to communicate through many a scripture what that means and what God's intent is for finances that he gives us in our lives. Challenge you to create a budget or just know the 100% that God has given you and give him praise for that 100%. And then last week we talked about generosity. For those that were present, it paid to be at church. You know what I'm saying? Uh, We gave everybody $20 and gave you three opportunities that we challenged you to do with those $20, right? One was... If you needed the $20, then you experienced generosity from God by getting that $20. No way, shape, or form can you claim that you earned that 20 right? That was a total gift from God. And then the second opportunity was you view that $20 as, man, I'm going to bless someone with this $20 this week. God put someone in my path. And then maybe, though, you feel that God has gifted you with the ability to reproduce finances. So the story we used was the talents uh, last week, and, and some got 10, and they got 10 more, and others got five, and they got five more, and then one dude got one, and he buried it. So we talked through that story, and uh, so, man, maybe you're a reproducer, and you're like, I'm going to use this $20 to buy, like, yarn. I'm going to make hats and sell them online and become rich for the church. And then our challenge was this, that you would bring the money you reproduce back in a special Easter offering that we'll talk about at the end of today's talk. So we were like, that, that was kind of the challenge we put out there for you if you um, wanted that $20 just to kind of burn in your back pocket, which I've done so far. It's like sitting there going, Ugh. But we got a couple stories in, and, and I want to I share one with you. And, and before I do, though, why would we talk about money for three weeks if we were going to change the page today? Here's the deal. Jesus talked more about finances and money than he did love. Why? Because it's attached to our heart. Finances are a heart thing. So God wanted to get our hearts in right alignment with him, our desires in alignment with him, so that we could be open to the things he would want our hearts to be totally surrendered to. So that's where we as a team said, man, how can we get our hearts just wide open, receptive to what God wants to pour freshly into us and through us? And it was to cover three weeks on getting our finances in right perspective, right? Um, So here's a story. This is just beautiful. This is beautiful. It's a story about how God's like, I got you, right? Listen to this. On the way home from Liberty Ridge Elementary School, my son's school Thursday, there was a minivan parked two spots back from the light. Before I could do anything to help another gentleman, pulled in front of her, the minivan, and toe-strapped her across the light to safety on the other side of the road. This is a perfect opportunity to teach my son helping others, putting others first, being a gentleman. A gentleman always stops to help the ladies, etc., right? As she described uh, what happened to her vehicle, I understood it simply ran out of gas. She went on to say she was 
just going to Safeway to get a little gas. Perfect. We can help her. Oh, no. She has three young girls in the minivan with her, plus my son, plus her and I make six. I have a mid-sized car, but only five seats. She does not trust society enough to leave any of her three girls in the minivan, that's <laughs> wisdom, uh, by themselves, while I give her a ride to the gas station and have her fuel up. So in the end, my son and I went to Fred Meyer, purchased a fuel can on the card, then went to, to the fuel island and filled it on the card in parentheses, Dave Ramsey, would be flustered. But sometimes you just do what has to be done and figure out how to strength, uh, straighten it up later. We went back to the stranded ladies, put the fuel in the vehicle. I could not get her to take the fuel can. She said she had Girl Scout cookies in the back. She offered me some of the cookies in exchange. I explained that my grandmother taught me to be a gentleman and I'm trying to teach these lessons to my son. Besides, if I accepted something in return, my assistance would not be a gift. We followed her to the fuel station where I gave her an extra $20 to fill her tank with no idea how I would replace that important part of a very slim budget. I don't expect to ever see these four ladies again in my life, but I do expect that my Lord was keeping an eye on them that night and continues to do so even now. So now that $20 is back. How amazing is that? Come on! That's just like a story like that. It's like, I got you. And, and by the way, uh, the, the person who submitted that, if you ever want to go into comedy writing, you got some quality material in there. So I would just say, you, could, you, got, a, late, you got a calling right there you could enter into. So... I look at that and I go, man, that captures the heart of God. That's what God loves to do. He just loves to, to surprise us and say, I saw that. I got you. I love you. And he wants to love others through us. Love does, right? If you have a story, uh, don't forget, we have openlife.church slash love does. You can go enter that story at any time and uh, love to just celebrate with you what God is doing. So what do we do now that our hearts are wide open? We listen to God, right? So here's a passage that wrecked our communication team. Listen to this, Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison. You visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it, to one of the least of these, 
my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were doing it to me. Wow. That's the kind of passage that makes you do inventory of your world and your life and your vision and your ability to, to notice the opportunities around you. I don't know about you, but this passage makes me hyper aware that around me at all times are opportunities I am experiencing or missing, and they have eternal consequences. Sheep or goat? Do I skip it? Somebody else will get it? Find myself in the sheep pen or the goat pen, or do I take that opportunity and find out what that minivan needs and find myself in the sheep pen? The other side of this story, if you read on, those who thought they had it all together, they were in church. I'm in church every Sunday. I read my Bible. I memorized a ton of it. I I can uh, share a track without having a track. I can give the gospel road to somebody. I can pray with somebody and they can receive Jesus. I can, you know, backwards and forwards, back. I sit there every day. I can, but yet they never take the opportunity and they find themselves on the left. And they're like, how am I with the goats? When, what, what? And Jesus is like, I, I did not know you. But I knew everything about you, Jesus. But knowing everything about Jesus and knowing him as he flows through you are two different things. What? You have the opportunity to serve Jesus on a constant basis by serving the least of these. Maybe you noticed it as we read through that passage. But you is mentioned 18 times. You is you is message. You is, you is. I sound like, I was like, what, what, what language is that? But you were mentioned 18 times. You. Which leads us to the title of our talk and the big idea. You are the you. You're the you in this story. You're the sheep in this story. Listen to Jesus' perspective. I'll throw some fast passages at you. Matthew 9.36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Were they like goats? No. When he saw the masses, when he saw people, he saw sheep without a shepherd. He saw people who were going to end up on the right, who were going to serve others, who were going to have their lives turn around and turn other lives around the same way their lives were turned around. He saw sheep without a shepherd. When we look out into the community, do we judge people and look at goats or do we see sheep? Whoa. We have to see sheep. That's what Jesus is challenging us to do here. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. He wants to send workers into the field. He wants to send sheep into the field so that sheep can come out of the field and then be sent into the field. Okay, if that's not enough, Matthew 10, 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. 
So be as shrewd as snakes, harmless as doves. Jesus does not send us out as goats. Jesus does not desire us to be knowledgeable and learners and, and just puffed up. He wants us to be active. He wants us to be serving him as we serve the least of these. John 10, 10 and 11 says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Not not to make, it doesn't say make them rich. I was about to claim that, but that wasn't in there. Uh, you know, he wants to make us rich and to live a satisfying life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Easter's in two Sundays. Two weeks away is Easter. We're going to have a good Friday service on Friday. We're going to serve the city of Bonnie Lake, which I just remembered. I forgot to print the sign up for. And we're going to, uh, on, the, on the next morning, help them put out eggs and, and uh, uh, for the Bonnie Lake City egg hunt on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And then we're going to celebrate Easter on Sunday. It's going to be phenomenal. Great time. But what we're doing is celebrating Jesus who gave his life up for sheep. Not goats. So today we're going to do some sheep business. We're going to look into the, the scripture and we're going to say, man, it's easy to look at the problems of the world and let them just, somebody else will take care of it. Come on, how many of us think that on a regular basis? Yeah, I don't know. We have great excuses. I don't have any time. Margin, right? I'm busy. Margin. We, we, we talked about that last week. Get the podcast, download it, watch it, listen. It's not someone else's problem. It's your problem. You are the you. You have a part to play in the problems that are around us and the lives of those suffering injustice. You have an opportunity to serve injustice. It might seem, seem in, insignificant or small to you sometimes. I mean, it's just 20 bucks. I don't think that $20 seemed insignificant or small to those four ladies in that minivan, Tony. I think it seemed probably life-changing. Thought one. I'm going to try to keep it together through this whole talk. This is not even happening right now. It comes down to you. I know it's March Madness, and we put a bracket together at Open Life, so I'm pretty focused on that. Can't believe my dogs lost to Oregon of all teams this week. I was going to put them all the way through to win, right? Don't hold up an OJ, and I'll come back there, and I'll smack you up. Anyway, I'll cut off that man bun of yours if you just keep not. And then I'll hold up an O. I'm just joking. I will not do that. He's an Oregon fan. I was surrounded by Oregon fans this week. On the very day the Huskies were playing Oregon, it was painful. But I, I, they lost. It was a close game. But anyway, I have all kinds of excuses for their loss. It's because I'm a real fan. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's March Madness this week. If you have a business, you employ people, they call in sick. If they're present, 
they're really not there. They're on their computers watching live games. You know, it's like that deal. Cut off the internet. I don't know what you're going to do to get productivity. But America loses productivity this week because people are watching games, right? And when you hear, it comes down to you. You think of that last second heroic shot of a game. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, even if they travel, you know, it's still awesome to watch it go in, Oregon State. Anyway, so I was like, you know, just looking at the, the opportunity this week will be buzzer beater world. It'll be craziness and ups and downs and all that good stuff. And, uh, but it's, it's not a sport we're talking about. It's a life. It comes down to you sometimes. Like there's no substitute left on the bench. God needs you. He's appointed you. He's gifted you. And even if you don't feel gifted, he's equipped you to be ready so that he can flow through you. Be surprised at what you can do because you allow God to flow through you. That's what he's challenging us to do. Your heart is at the center of your ability to see the needs around you, which is why we had to have our heart prepared to hear from God today. The sheep in this passage had literally developed a serve reflex. They literally didn't quite get it when Jesus said, you served me. In the illustration, the king said it, but you know, he was saying, when you served me when you served the least of these, when I was sick, when I needed clothes, when I needed this. And they were, they were like, how? Well, we just, they just had a serve reflex. They didn't realize what they were doing was actually serving Jesus. How do we develop that? When did we feed you or give you a drink? God views the least and the harassed as sheep that are ready to do the same. We help others in the same way we've been helped. When was the last time you had the opportunity to serve Jesus by serving someone in need? Man, God's heart is for the least, the harassed, and he wants to use you. Psalm 68, 5 through 6 is powerful. It says, God is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, gives them joy. You're someone's joy waiting to happen. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. I hope you've discovered that. God empowered each of us to be actively loving, to be active in our faith, a way that is consistent with his heart in Scripture. So we have to unpack his heart and discover the things he was passionate about and, and that he blesses. It's the amount of, of love you have shown to those who need it when they need it that he's like all about, right? How much love did you just unconditionally pour out? Are we living in a way that demonstrates consistent message of love from God to the world around us? I used to love hearing Jeff Vanderstolt say, we need to live a as a gospel demonstration that demands an explanation. Is that the love we carry? Is that the life we live? Are we fulfilling the mandates we've been given in Scripture? It might sound crude or harsh, but there comes a time when we must get up off our knees and do something because we can't save the world by just praying. James 1.27 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means 
caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Have we been corrupted? I mean, to think someone else will do it. To think I'm not gifted enough to do it, or I don't have the money to do it, or I don't have the time to do it. Have we allowed, like, the enormity of crises around us to corrupt our love? Because that's what we're being challenged not to let happen in James 1.27. Don't buy the lie that you're too this or that. There are no substitutes on the bench. It comes down to you. Thought two. Someone's problem equals your opportunity. Someone's problem equals your opportunity. Isaiah 127 says, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans, fight for the rights of widows. When you see the problem, it's now your problem. You can't dismiss it off the hopes of someone else showing up. The corruptedness of the world says that someone else, some other organization will step in and do the problem. But, but you're the you. That's why Jesus used it 18 times. You're the sheep. It doesn't say let the church do it or let that nonprofit do it or let the school district do it or let the state do it or let the next president do it. It says you. When we were praying about this series and what we might talk about and specifically we were brainstorming how we lead right up to Easter and and uh, every Easter we we take an offering and uh, for a cause and we've done charity water uh, giving clean drinking water for a long time and uh, since open life started every Easter and so we were brainstorming man what do we do this Easter we just felt this nudge if our hearts are wide open and we allowed God to speak to us and go flow through us what Injustice should we grab a hold of that's tied to something bigger than us? What cause can we learn, seek, help, defend, fight? What would Jesus want his church to be doing and for whom? And not just the church, but each individual loving because love does, right? Father to the fatherless, pure faultless religion cares for the orphan. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause. So it wrecked us. And we want to show you what we chose for this Easter. Watch this video. We as a church, our church and, and Big C Church, right, everywhere, um, need to recognize this is our responsibility. And we sit in our homes and we go to church on Sunday and we do those things and we let the state take care of an issue that the Bible very clearly says is our responsibility. Nearly a thousand kids that will turn 18 in our foster care system without ever knowing a permanent family, without ever having most of them a home to go to on Christmas or somebody who can be there. We were at church just one Sunday and a family that we knew came to church and they had a new baby that I hadn't seen before and he was six months old and I was curious as to the new addition and so I asked and she said they were a foster family and I just thought that was really neat and I asked her a little bit more about it and she just said, oh, you and your husband should do this. And at the time we were 22 and 25 
and I was still going to college and we were both working. But I went home and I really thought about it and I thought, why not do it? Like, God does call us to do it and we could think of a lot of really superficial reasons why we wouldn't be good at that time. We were young. We had never parented any children before. I was still finishing school. There was a lot of reasons that we could have made up to say no, but when it really came down to it, we just thought, I don't know, could God really use us? And that was the start of it. We did the classes and we did the training and then you know, in my mind being, I guess, a little bit resistant at that time. I think a lot of people, like, I, I thought, you know, it's like, how hard is it going to be for me? I thought it'll break my heart if we take in a kid and then that, that kid has to leave. And so I was, I guess, fearful of that in my own, you know, what I knew about myself as well. When you look back, God had his hand in, in what was going on. I mean, our first that we took in ended up being our, you know, our oldest that we have now. And although we weren't going in with an adoption mindset, that was how it worked out. So I think God must have realized that maybe that was all I was gonna be able to bear. So he kind of gave me that on the first one. Right now we do uh, more emergent placement foster care. So that's kids who are gonna be coming right into care. And there has to be a time of determination. Are they gonna get to go back home? Are there gonna be services? Do they need to maybe go to a longer term foster care situation while those are all being figured out by the state and by our um, Youth for Christ that we work with. Um, so that's anywhere from three to five days to we've had them. We've got a little guy now that's been with us for three months. There is a need for foster homes in Washington and probably the whole country is at a crisis for the lowest number of foster homes they've had in, I mean, any recent history, 10 years, 15 years. Um, and the number of kids is continuing to climb for the number of kids coming into care um, every year but on a daily basis there are kids sitting at DSHS waiting for a home um, and sometimes when they find a home because it's emergent they'll find somebody who can take the child for one day or for two days uh, maybe even for a week but we know that each move just causes more trauma on these kids they're already coming from really hard places I see posts that are right here there's kids going to summer schools and we'll see a post that you know these three siblings are being pulled they attend this school um, and although it would be like a dream come true for a foster home to be located in the same school area that the kiddo could not have to move schools as well as move homes i mean that is really highly unlikely and their foster care support except for in a few isolated circumstances ends on either the day they turn 18 or the day they graduate from high school. And you are suddenly, I mean, I can't even imagine a healthy 18 year old who's been given lots of opportunities being ready to walk out their parents' door and never to look back at the age of 18. So to have to do that with the childhood and the trauma and the lack of services and, and then suddenly be expected to go face the world on their own at 18 um, and knowing where those kids are likely going to end up. I mean, for boys, it's about 70% will end up in jail. Um, and for girls, if they're just even trying to survive, I mean, 
meaning food stamps and housing, and even if they can have access to those opportunities, it's just the statistics after they turn 18 are unbelievable, but it's, it's a lot of kids. Some people think, oh, they're gonna just come put some kid in my home and I have no say in it, but every kid that we've ever had, you get a phone call, and they give you as much information as they know, and sometimes it's a lot, and sometimes it's a little. Um, it's actually probably one of the hardest parts, I think, of foster care is even when we say no, um, the fact that we know those stories from our communities. Um, sometimes it's very generic, um, like parents get arrested and the kiddo was maybe not in a really traumatic spot at that moment, but needs a place to go. Sometimes it's that parents are checking into rehab, parents are homeless. Um, Sometimes it's a baby that was born uh, drug addicted, so then they may go to, um, you know, the PIC center and, and be going through detox and then coming into your home. Um, and it's all times, you know, with what we're doing right now, it's a little bit more all times of the day because we're kind of on call for that. So that kind of depends where you're at. You know, if it's if you're doing just kind of normal foster care, um, and those it may be a little bit different because they may have come to our home first, you know, and then that's where we're figuring out. But it's kind of every situation. I mean, there's been times where you guys have probably seen the news story that brought that kid into care and, and they've been in our home um, just to, you know. We've gotten a lot of calls and several kiddos that are coming from the hospital because the abuse is so substantial that they've been taken to the hospital and then when they're cleared, um, then they find a foster home been called for kiddos where we know the kiddos were witnessed a parent being murdered. Um, and sometimes it's amazing in that instant we're like, how do we even qualify to do this? There's no training that you get to take care of a kiddo that's been through that type of abuse um, or witness violence on such an extreme level, but it's, it's hard. I mean, sometimes you just sit back and go, Okay, we don't have the skill set for this, but you just stop and we'll pray together that we'll find the right home for those kids. There's a lot of burnout. Um, you know, I look at when we feel burned out, and then I look at that we have a great Christian organization that supports us, and we have a church family, and we have other family that's nearby, and so there's a lot of things that pour into that, and we can still get to that point where there's some exhaustion here. I can only imagine what that's like for families that are that are trying to do this for their first time or on their own or maybe don't have that full support. So I think that that is where your friends and family and your church family can, can come along and maybe support the families that are doing that. I would challenge people to look at their lives and go, maybe we can, maybe, you know, if you're work waiting for the perfect opportunity, it's not going to happen. There's always going to be something. But I think if a handful of families can be the foster homes and then a community to wrap around them to offer to babysit, to help with a doctor's appointment, to be willing to maybe stay home with a sick child if the parent needs to go to work, to be the person on the emergency form at school to pick a kid up when they're not feeling well at school, to do a dinner. You know, just even be prayer partners for somebody and just you know, some a place where a family can tell you all the hard parts too and then just, even if you can't fix it, just 
okay, I'll, you know, I'll pray for you and check in and say, how's it going? How did, how did visits go yesterday? Maybe your family needs a bed and you have an old bed that you can use because you have to have everything set up before the foster kids are there or, you know, hey, we're getting a new placement and we thought we were going to get a baby, but surprise, we're getting a five-year-old, you know, and so we need a twin bed instead of the crib that we already bought. Just seeing the need and seeing the different kids that have come through our home, um, it affects your heart in a different way and the way God kind of, he's always constantly changing your, your heart and, and drawing you in and then showing you little glimpses of his bigger picture. And so to see the need and the way that that need has grown and then just to see how those kids are affected and how you may be doing something that seems not super significant to yourself, but then it's changing a kid's life. And so whether it's a, someone that was there for a short amount of time or a long amount of time or that you know ends up being adopted, um, it's, a, it's an impactful thing to be kind of serving in that way. We did foster care partially as a way to serve our community and partially as a way to grow our family. I mean, we intentionally sought adoption with um, our oldest daughter and it felt like a good fit for us but I think as time's gone on and as we've seen the need and your eyes are opened even more we really see it as our mission field like I mean it's 24 hours a day usually every day um, that we're doing it and it's funny because I think to people around us they don't notice that we're serving 24 hours a day that we're in our mission field because it just looks like our regular life now. But there are many days where we're really aware that you're in the middle of a mission field. Because trust me, this wasn't, it wasn't my first, you know, perfect idea of, of going into um, having kids in our home. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Josh and Sarah, thank you for letting us record that. Jaden, you're an artist to bring that from an almost an hour of footage down to 11 minutes. Woo! It was beautifully done, and it's not just going to bless our church. It's going to bless a lot of churches looking to take on the need of foster care. Thought three, we're with you. We've been learning because that's what the scripture challenged us to do, right? And uh, when we landed on foster care, we immediately went all in and just started learning like crazy. According to the Children's Home Society of Washington, there are 10,000 children in foster care in our state alone. 2,300 of them are free for adoption. They're the ones that will age out. They're the 70% statistic, those young men. Crazy, the highest number of foster care need is in Pierce County, King County, and Spokane counties. Pierce County alone had 1,522 children brought through the foster system last year. When we interviewed uh, one of the people who helps placement 
they were right in the middle of doing a, a, a grant request, and so they had numbers right in front of them, and they're like, there right now are 1,000 to 1,200 kids in, in the foster system in Pierce County, just like in our neighborhoods, right? 249 of those homes are state-run homes, so they're not attached to an agency. 380 homes are private agency homes. 4% of youth population is, is in foster care, but 10% is within Pierce County. 75% have been separated from one sibling. I mean, just picture, picture your family and your kids, your brothers, your sisters. Can you fathom being separated? You did not choose the family you were born into, nor does anybody that's suffering injustice choose to be in that scenario that they're all of a sudden in foster care. This isn't a faraway thing. As Sarah mentioned, it's in our neighborhoods, kids in our school districts. They're sitting down next to our children in school, and they have a need, and they need to experience Jesus' love and support. And all the things we're reading of, we daily have an opportunity to be sheep in the lives of those who most desperately are in need. So open life is going all in with foster care. What does that mean, Thad? What in the world are we up to now? It means we're going to be all about four things. Fostering, adopting, assisting, and supporting. Those who find themselves in a foster care scenario. Not only those that are taking in fostering, but those that are the birth parents that need recovery. They need recovery. Redemption. They need to be rehabilitated. Whatever the scenario is, they need hope. They need an out. They need an advocate. This is something we're doing organizationally, but it's something every single one of you will participate in. You're the you. You're the you. Organizationally, we're working with a number of organizations to try to partner and develop more strategic partnerships. And, and uh, in, in Pierce County is our focus initially. But I immediately challenged a church. You, you, we haven't even talked about the meeting place, I don't think, ever. But we helped start a church in Spokane <laughs> uh, called the meeting place. <laughs> You're like, we did what? Yeah, we do things like crazy organizationally. So we helped start this church. And I, I said to Tony Mitchell, I said, the pastor of the church, I said, hey, here's the deal. Uh, we found out something that's like right up the alley of the heart of God. And your county is one of the biggest counties there in Spokane with this need. I'm sending you the talk. I'm sending you the notes, the video, and everything after today because you need to get into this. Anyway. First thing that we're going to challenge you to do, and, and somebody in this room or listening to this message you need to begin the journey today of, of fostering or adopting. This is the nudge you needed. This is, this is that voice from God. You're saying, well, God, what do you want to do with my life? Guess he's speaking right now. We're challenging you to invest yourself. This is what, I mean, we, we want you to consider these 1,200 kids need a place to go. There are caseworkers having to sleep in hotel rooms 
with kids because they had no families. When I sat down the first time with, with Sarah and Josh and dialogued about uh, foster care and they opened up their Facebook and said there are 11 kids waiting right now in a daycare that have no home tonight at DSHS. It was never meant to be DSHS's job. The Bible since the beginning has said God is a father to the fatherless. And we're supposed to be pure and faultless in our faith. And we're supposed to care for orphans. And this, a state worker who can't even get time off for lunch, they have to hide in their car to even get a break. Is having to spend the night in a hotel? Woo. Yeah, better hit your mess up button, right? I hope it messes with you as fast. It does me because, wow. Teenagers are getting sent to places like Texas and Iowa because it's cheaper to do foster care there and there's no spot for them here. Kids are getting sent to the other side of the state because that's the only place there's a home far separated from their school district and their friends. Brothers and sisters removed from homes with each other. Man, will you consider foster, foster becoming a foster family or foster adopting we're bringing on uh, Youth for Christ as a new strategic partner. Um, they have the system down of helping families, specifically those that follow Jesus, Christian families, uh, get through the paperwork, which is months in the, the prep to get through uh, to, to become a, a foster home. But maybe you'll find yourself, as, as the Wegners did, not only being a foster home, but Finding yourself on the adoption side of that as you progress through it. But we need homes. Youth for Christ in Pierce County has 115 of those 300 and some private agency homes. And uh, obviously, there's a lot more homes needed in Pierce County. Cool thing, in Bonnie Lake, Buckley, this area, there are... uh, there's like almost 20 foster homes with Youth for Christ. So one of the things they're starting to do is build these hubs of foster families that are mutually encouraging one another. And Youth for Christ has given us the opportunity just to dive right into the center of those hubs, these two hubs of eight to ten families of homes that have foster kids and be able to start to care for them in whatever way they need. And so the same as we jumped on with Liberty Ridge Elementary or we said yes to Big Give or the school supply give or any of these things, we're jumping in to foster care and these hub homes and saying, not only just with Youth for Christ, saying we're in, in it for these 20 families, but we're saying as well to state agencies, hey, what do these 200 and some families need because they don't have a church surrounding them. I don't know how they do it. What can we do to serve you? We're learning. Man, there's, this is a huge journey. This is, we got to think long for this. But sometimes that just might need we need diapers. It might, might mean we need a bags of clothes for a five-year-old who just showed up at somebody's house with only the clothes on their back. Open life is going to get in the middle of the mess. And you're going to love every second of it, honestly. So the second thing you'd be, I would be challenging you to do is is to assist. Assist. There's some personal responsibility we have to grab a hold of 
with pure and faultless task we've been assigned to to care for those that find themselves in the foster system. We believe that open life can sink its teeth into foster care and provide support and encouragement for families just like the Wagners. They'll end up with a community that surrounds them so strongly that they can get a break from that 24-7. <laughs> and we, it, it's a job to get licensed and background checked as much as you need to be to be a foster family child care provider. But we're going to do that. Oh, we're going to encourage people to go through the process of being someone that can lift the arms and maybe babysit once a month or make a meal once a month. Or just when you see a cell at a grocery store and you're like, this family could, could utilize that. And, and we're starting a, a page on the website, openlife.church slash foster care. There's minimal amount there, although there's a video there I dare you to watch. And uh, uh, so, but there, we're, we're going to start linking people into what the needs are there, develop the page notification on the app to where we can put out instant notifications of supplies we need. There's all kinds of stuff we have the capacity to do, but we're still getting the legs underneath that right now. Assist. What can you do to help parents and families? I just want you to begin to question it because we're not the church full of hypocrites. We're the church full of heroes. How can you assist? Maybe it's going to be that you realize this is one of the things that just blew my mind and, and became so open to me as I realized, you know what? When foster families come through the doors here, and, and I know just a couple weeks ago, Sarah and, and Josh got a, a child at like midnight. And they're at church the next day checking that child into the nursery. That's not babysitting for an hour and ten minutes in that nursery. That's being the representation of hope. of care, of Jesus' love to a child that really didn't know much about, well, they sleep at night, you know, here they are. And, and, and if we could give an hour and ten minutes of a break to foster family, and we're not doing it so that foster families will walk through the door of open life, but you know what is going to happen as we care for those that are in the foster care system. Foster families are going to walk through, and I was like, that just gives a whole new missional aspect to being a volunteer in kids' ministry. Man, who knows what time that will be in their life to sow Jesus into before they go back to a birth family or go back into the foster family. What a privilege. What an honor to serve foster families. That this would be one of those times where either digitally or physically on your Connect card, you should turn it over and check, serve in children's ministry. <laughs> and uh, when you do, not only will my wife be extremely happy, but you're taking on an honored mission. It's a privilege to serve. And you're going to be a representation of not chaos from an adult to a, a child. Serving. Amazing. Amazing. You can assist by going and helping at school. I mean, Sarah listed so many ideas on that video, I don't really need to even repeat them, but we've talked to foster families and the needs that they have and the time and the doctor appointments and just, it's crazy. And you're like, man, if I could just assist them, yeah, maybe I don't have space to open up my home. Or I should say, maybe I won't be willing to make space to open up my home because I 
we could if we wanted to, anybody, right? But maybe we find ourselves in the assisting realm and, and we're just going to in any way come alongside of them. Eventually that looks like advocacy and fighting for foster kids, but we'll talk about that more in the future. Then finally, will you supply the necessary resources to begin meeting more needs of foster children in our region? I mean, sometimes these kids are removed with nothing on their back. So there's all kinds of needs. Family in our church, the Miltimores, uh, last uh, fall, it was in the fall that they came and said, hey, we just feel a burden for foster families. And, and, and Heidi said, I want to open up the room that's empty in our house and just say, if we ever come across foster supplies, supplies like diapers, hats, clothes, jammas, anything, we'll, we'll keep them here as, unless it gets chaotic and we need a warehouse. You know? But let's just fill this, let's fill this up and, and help supply those that we have a relationship with. Well, the, those we have a relationship with is about to explode. So it's gonna, we're going to need more supplies. And we've partnered with World Vision, and we get a lot from World Vision every month. But it's like we're going to continue to to need more. Um, we talked to a, a gal that runs an organization called the Wishing Well, and trying to help understand what the needs are of families. She's had 950 families come through this last year and receive like the necessary essential supplies for foster kids because they just burn through the stuff they have, or it's left at the last house, or you know, there's just a constant need for supplies, the same as we would supply for our own kids. And so we're coming alongside and it's already in process. This is just open life, like aligning ourselves and saying, this is what we're doing right now. So how does this have to do with you and how's, what's the easy way to get involved? Easter. It's this Easter. Um, this Easter for every person in attendance on that Easter Sunday, we'll do the same thing we've done every year, but let me clarify exactly what we do. For every person in attendance, man, woman, and child, we're going to give $5 to foster care. Well, how do you do that? Where do you come up with that money? Um, one, we figured out last week you can't outgive God, right? It's pretty understandable. And, uh, but we, every month we set aside 10% of anything given that's undesignated at Open Life. We set aside 10% of that to go to strategic partners, to go to missionaries we support organizationally. You can check out who are our strategic partners on our website. And, and we support them monthly, whether it's going to those fleeing domestic violence at Exodus Housing, or whether it's us supporting Youth for Christ, or the Wishing Well, or whatever we're launching for foster care as a church, right? Our goal at Bonnie Lake is that on Easter, you usually have a lot of guests. It's a perfect season to invite your friends. So my goal would be that Open Life here would have, at Bonnie Lake would have 225 people on Easter. That's what I'm praying for. That the invites are getting put in the right hands, that people who are open would hear and make their way to church on Easter. Two weeks. First Sunday of break for some. In Sumner, I know they're praying for 85 people to show up. So we would have over 300 people times $5. Yeah. Plus, we're going to give the offering to foster care. You're doing, are you crazy, Thad? Absolutely, because we're surrendered to Jesus. And uh, so we're going to give every undesignated dollar in the offering. Like if you're writing your tithe check that day, you're going to have to write tithe. Because if you don't, it's all going to foster care. And then we're going to get 
the necessary supplies out there. We're going to put them in the hands of those that are doing foster care. We're going to start supporting these hubs, these clusters of foster families, and looking at what's next. What can we take on? How can we change the stats? How can we flip this to where it's not kids waiting for a home, but it's homes waiting for kids? It's going to take a long time, but you can change a crisis. And we're going to go after it. First in Pierce County, then in our state, our nation, and our globe. It's that simple. Your action point today, to do what the scripture challenged you to do. Learn, seek, help, defend, and fight. Go to openlife.church slash foster care today. Begin learning more about the needs that are out there. Seek a way of helping defend the, the defenseless through assisting and supporting their needs and, and, and fight the tendency to be corrupted by the enormity of the crisis and say, well, we can t- change this a day at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. This is a big elephant. It's not a funny talk today, sorry. But not really, because every once in a while we need a good gut punch to be realigned with the heart of God. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word and opportunity we have to see your heart for the, the world around us. You're a father to the fatherless, which means your church, which you refer to as your bride, needs to, with open arms, welcome the fatherless, those that need a home, those that need served. And as we do it, we serve you. God, I know that in this room right now, you're stirring hearts. Your people are evaluating their life. They're evaluating their time. They're evaluating whether they should foster, adopt, or assist, or support. They're saying, man, this is, I can already know. I'm going to do this with the $20 last week that I got so that on Easter I could bring a specific offering for that care and this launching of foster care. And God, I just pray that the stories would begin to resonate and we rally around the foster families that already exist. But yes, we would see families rise up from within us and the churches around us in our community, our county, our state, rise up to the call. And we would experience blessing from you as we're obedient to you. This is so close to your heart. Use us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close out with a worship song, I challenge you to throw that connect card over and jot down what you're thinking. Let us know. Let us pray with you. Maybe today you need one-on-one prayer. and A couple of us will be down here afterwards to the left. I know some of you came through the door. I already caught you in the front. You just have deep needs that need prayed for. We want to we do that today afterwards. But right on the back of your connect card, what are you feeling, God, challenging you to do in this area? Respond to him. Reflect as we sing this song once more.